Good morning once again and welcome. My name is Craig. I don't think I introduced myself earlier, but I'm the senior pastor and it is our privilege to have you with us this morning. If you're a guest, I do want to thank you especially for being with us and ask you, please do me a favor. There is a tear-off on the inside of your worship folder. If you tear that off and fill it out and let us know that you were a visitor with us this morning, that would help us a whole lot. If you are more tech savvy and you'd prefer to do so, you can actually just scan that QR code in your worship guide or you can go to malvernhill.org slash connect and from there you can fill out an online connection card and just let us know that you are here with us. I'm not going to come see you this afternoon. I've actually got a meeting here so I won't be at your house but I would love to drop you a letter in the mail this week and just let you know how much we appreciated having you with us. Uh, there is a VBS meeting afterward uh, with some lunch provided so uh, if you're a part of our Vacation Bible School team, I hope that you'll be planning to be with us today. If you have your Bibles, you're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 15. Acts, chapter 15. We're going to begin reading in verse 36. Our children are in here with us this morning, which is a little abnormal for us. Normally, our, uh, all of our kids leave and go to children's worship so our little ones did. Sorry for the confusion. We tried to communicate that, but apparently not as effectively as we could have. Uh, our big ones are here with us. Uh, we uh, want to, uh, we've got some things coming up in the service today that we want them to be a part of and that we want them to be uh, aware of. We also want you to occasionally be reminded just how many of them there are. So uh, if you're a little uncomfortable, it's because they're, they're everywhere. They're all over. So kids, we're glad that you're in here with us this morning. All right, stand with me in honor of God's Word. We're going to begin reading in verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord, and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray you be with us today. I pray that this word would take root in our lives, that this message, Father God, would fall on ready, willing ears and hearts, that we would make a difference for the gospel because of all that you're doing among us. Speak loudly through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Are you really ready to take the next step? So the first thing we'll do this morning, and this is part of why our kids are in here, because we're going to play with fire. They ought to get to at least be a part of that with us, right? Um, so uh, the first thing we're going to do is actually uh, to um, just take a moment to celebrate the fact that a few weeks ago we were able to pay off our building debt this morning, or not this morning, a few weeks ago. So the, the building that you're sitting in is completely paid for, and we're so grateful for that. You should clap. That's a good idea. Um, and, and we had a deacons meeting this week, and I asked who should set it on fire, and somebody recommended me, and I didn't ask for a second vote, so I just took it. Um, so if we're going to have a good fire, we have some accelerant here. Um, I'm not kidding. This is hand sanitizer. And we, we spent a fortune on this stuff during the pandemic, so we got to use it for something. Um, and uh, so we've already tried this out, by the way, and we don't need much of this stuff, by the way. It is, uh, it is like straight gasoline. So uh, we're, we're going to use a little bit of this to get it started, all right? 
that enough? It's more than enough. And then what we're going to do is get this off the stage. All right. Good. So, um, we ready? Y'all excited? Some of y'all haven't been here long enough to be excited. So that's the problem. Some of y'all, by God's grace, so many of y'all are so new that you don't even know that this is a new building and you just showed up here. Uh, for the rest of you that, that remember, our sanctuary used to be this big right here. Whatever you see in the middle, that's what it used to be. And uh, we, we added on and moved into this space about six years ago. Now, the really awesome thing is what, the story I'm about to tell you before I strike this lighter is that when we moved in here, um, I looked at people and I said, oh my goodness, we built too big of a building. So uh, that, that didn't really turn out. I'm not very prophetic, as you might have discovered, because we certainly haven't built too big of a building. But God has utilized this space uh, to make an impact. So we're baptizing people. We're reaching people. And this morning, we get to celebrate not only what God is doing through this space. We get to celebrate that because of your faithfulness, because of your willingness to give and your generosity, that God has actually met all of our needs. And this building is ours free and clear. So we're going to set it on fire and hope that nothing bad happens. See, that is that hand sanitizer. Isn't that good? Turn the lights off up there so we can see it. You can't even see it because it's burning so hot. Or don't turn the lights off. That's cool. <laughs> Look at that. You know, this is smoking more than we expected. <laughs> we did check, and the smoke detectors didn't go off earlier. So they go off. Man, we're not even burning good. This is sort of a letdown. We needed more hand sanitizer, I guess. No, no, we are not throwing it on there now. All right, now we're burning. Yeah, there we go. All right, we need a fan. Yeah. All right, Adam, take this out of here. Run along, sir. Thank you. Somebody said yes. All right. Good job. This is great, folks. We need to celebrate. Great, and we are, going to, we are going to have this service today with the smell of smoke wafting through the, 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 the facility. We're going to hope that the smoke detectors don't go off. We tried earlier, but it's important. Sometimes we need to be a little bit multi-sensory and be reminded of God's goodness towards us. And that's a part of what we're going to be today. I want you to consider, if you will, for just a moment, the situation that Paul and Barnabas find themselves in. We come to Acts chapter 15 and verses 36 through 41. Now, you'll recall that for the last two weeks we've looked at the Jerusalem council. So Paul and Barnabas stood before the council and they said, hey, look at all that we've done. And the council said, hey, good job. And then they sent them back to the Gentile believers and they said, just take these instructions. And then last week we saw that they didn't just send a letter, they actually sent people with them. And they went to the Gentile believers and they said, these are the instructions for what's going to happen. This is what needs to be doing. And they blessed God's work among the Gentiles. So imagine you're Paul and Barnabas. You spent a whole lot of time at this point in your life, right? You spent the last 12 to 18 months, we don't know exactly sure how long, sort of traversing the Mediterranean area. You've gone on what we now know to be Paul's 
first missionary journey. And in that time, you've faced beatings, you've faced persecution, your life has been threatened. Lots of bad things have happened. And then you come back to Jerusalem, to the seat of the church. You, you meet with the apostles. And first of all, you've got some that are a little bit not real happy about what's going on. But eventually, you convince everybody. You share the story of what God's doing. And the church celebrates, right? As a matter of fact, they celebrate so much that they even send a couple of their leaders back with you to impact the world, right? So it's not just we're going to write a letter and send you there. We're going to actually send people. That's a big deal. We're going to go because remember we talked last week that words matter, but not near as much as our actions. And so they sent people with them. Now, after all of that has taken place, Paul and Barnabas go back to Antioch from where they were sent to begin with. And you can imagine when they get there, they probably are just like, finally we're home. Right? They've been on a long journey. They've faced incredible trials. They've seen wonderful victories. They've seen God do amazing things. And then they get home and they probably just want to sit and bask in the moment. Folks, we just paid off a mortgage, which is a huge undertaking in our church. And it can be tempting for us on the backside of something like that to just want to sit. Man, look at what we did. Look at all the great things that happened. But when Paul and Barnabas got back, from, back to Antioch, they recognized that the mission had to continue to compel them forward. They didn't just sit. Instead, they took the next step and the next step and the next step. They recognized that they had to keep moving forward. Folks, one of the greatest dangers that exists for our church <coughs> is that I would get choked while I'm preaching. That's that protein bar I ate right before I walked up on stage. One of the greatest dangers that could exist for our church is that we could look around. You could see all these children. Now, what some of you who are guests with us didn't see, you, you know that there's kids everywhere. You didn't see them all get up and run out this morning. There's 90 of them here today, okay, or something like that. From, from about from 0 to about 12, there's honestly probably 60 kids here today. And I guess there must be about 380 people here total this morning, which means a third of that, that number is 0 to 18. So whatever that comes out to, something like 120 are going to be under the age of 18 years old. That's how many kids are here. We can sit around and go, look, that's great. And then we got all these babies that are being born. And we got these people that have been baptized. And then the cherry on the top is that we just burn the mortgage. Boom, everything's great. And we can just go, look, we've arrived. But folks, if we decide that we have arrived in this moment, understand that in so doing, we neglect 70,000 people that live in Kershaw County, half of whom are at home today and have no church involvement, no relationship with Christ. We can't sit around and celebrate too long because the mission of Christ has to compel us to continue to move forward. And so this morning, I want us to see um, what happened in Paul and Barnabas' life right here in these verses. And I want to ask you this question. Are you ready to take the next step? The first thing that we see that was really important in Paul and Barnabas' life is that the call was more important than their comfort. And in your life, the call has to be more important than your comfort. Angela and I have a goal. One of, we have a lot of goals. One of our goals is for our house, our home, to be a welcoming place. We want people to feel comfortable when they show up. We want people to feel, some of you, we want to feel really comfortable to stop by. Um, it's supposed to be funny. Ah, thank you. Um, but one of the big things, we want our children's friends to feel like our house is a place where they are comfortable. And, um, and, and so that's, uh, that, that, that means that, that impacts 
Some of the things that we do, part of it, hey, for the record, let me just throw this out there. If you want your house to be a place where people feel comfortable, some of that means you have to feel comfortable there, which means if you'll wash your dishes before you go to bed at night, you'll feel more comfortable people showing up. Like, there are actually very easy things you can do to be more hospitable, and some of the things you can do to be more hospitable is to consider what it is that makes you not want people in your house, and if it's dirty dishes or dirty laundry, then what you need to do is just get that out of the way, and then when that neighbor shows up unannounced, you don't feel like everything's going to fall apart in your life. Just throw that out there. But, but one, those, that's one of our goals. But, but sometimes this thing comes back to bite us. Occasionally people feel really comfortable at our house and they never leave. Or they just randomly show up. So a couple weeks ago, um, none of our kids were at home. It was wonderful. Wonderful, right? They were all off somewhere doing something. I don't know where they were. Like they just weren't near me. And I was basking in the moment. It was getting on up in the evening. They were supposed to be coming home to fix their own dinner, which is also one of my favorite things ever when Angela says everybody's in charge of their own dinner because she usually fixes mine anyway and then just leaves them all alone to tend to themselves. Um, but she and I are sitting there. We've already got on our pajamas, right? And the phone rings. Boom. Hello. What is it? And it's, hey, we're coming home and we're bringing all these people with us when we get there. And I looked at Angel. Actually, they started texting us first, and we wouldn't respond to the text messages. And then they called, and we tried to ignore a call. And then finally I looked at Angel and said, Honey, I don't feel like this. She said, Isn't this what we wanted? I said, This isn't exactly what I wanted. You know, what I wanted was for people to be here when I want them here. You know, I mean, if we could make it just work around my schedule. Well, the reality is it is exactly what we wanted. And, and sometimes what I want has to trump my own comfort. You know, when she said that to me, you know what I went? I went, you know what, you're right. And so I got up and made sure that all the food was ready for people to get there. I got up and we did the things that were necessary because she's 100% right. That's what we wanted. Folks, when we look at what's happening in our church, some of you have been here long enough to know that you've been praying for God to do great things in this church body. And some of that means we're a little bit uncomfortable right now, but isn't it what we've prayed for? Sometimes when we get what we want, we have to step back and go, wait a minute, is this exactly what I wanted? Sometimes it gets kind of hard. You can imagine Paul and Barnabas getting back to Antioch, and then somebody's like, shouldn't you go back again? And they're like, wait a minute, I don't know. Like, I just got here. Couldn't we just live in this moment for just a little while? Listen, do not allow your comfort to blind you to the opportunity around you. Do not allow your comfort to blind you to the opportunity around you. The other night, I'm telling you, I was comfortable without people at my house. I was super comfortable, but the opportunity was there for us to make an impact in somebody's life. I needed to get over my own comfort and get on board with what God's purpose is for our home, which is a whole lot more than it being a castle for me to reign over, but a place where I come, a cross where I come to die. What if my home is not just for me? What if my home is a place for ministry? What if my home is, a, is a, a mission outpost for the gospel? Then it affects and impacts the way that we, that we envision, the way that we use it. In your own home, in your own church, when you hear opportunity, though, I, I don't just want you to hear opportunity. I want you to hear needs. Do not allow your comfort to blind you to the needs around you. The greatest opportunity around us is the opportunity for us to share the gospel. I threw this number out just a minute ago, but there's 70,000 people in this county. 70,000 people. If we were to sort of end service right now and everybody went on a field trip just to ride around and figure out, you know what you'd find out? You'd find that most vehicles are sitting in their driveways this morning. Because in a county with 70,000 people, we know there are 25% who claim zero faith involvement. The reality is it's, it's probably in excess of 50% of the people in our, in our community who desperately need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
See, we can look at all the great things that have happened here. They're wonderful. We got children, we got baptisms, we got a paid for building, we got all the stuff, and we can sit around and we can close the front doors on Sunday morning and forget that outside of those doors, there are thousands of people who need to experience the life changing message of Jesus Christ. Those are the people who need Christ. Those are the people that we need to reach. And folks, really and truly, we don't have a choice. See, we don't. Now, I don't say that to sort of uh, make you feel uncomfortable, but I want to remind you that the call to follow Christ is the call to die to yourself. See, when you committed to Jesus, what you didn't just say was, I need some fire insurance. When you committed to Christ, what you said was, Lord Jesus, you get that part, Lord Jesus, I'm making you Lord of my life. Lord God, come in and save me and take control. Come in and save me and direct me and guide me and lead me. We don't get to just say, well, I want to do this part but not that part. But look, it's not all negative, right? When you committed to Jesus, you committed to following him, not following your own desires. But there's also this awesome reality that when we find ourselves falling into Christ, pursuing him with our hearts, we discover that he changes our desires in such a way that his desires become our desires. We discover that as we pursue Christ, he's actually given us this vision whereby, what? You ready for this? His vision becomes our vision and his, his joys become our joys. This is what's really awesome. This is what's exciting. That even though we can't just sit back and, 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 and live in our comfort, we discover that actually outside of our comfort zone is where there's joy and excitement because out there is where God would have us to be. That's where he would have us to be. The call's got to be more important than your comfort. And folks, that happens in your home. It's also true in our own church body, right? It's true here. That means that the call to reach people means... it's, it's uh, For the last several weeks, I have seen, and I just... I should have written down names so I could celebrate y'all a little bit more intentionally. I've seen people give up their seats on Sunday mornings because people came in looking for a seat and they couldn't find anywhere to sit. And I've seen people literally get up and say, you sit here and I'll go somewhere else. That's a great example of what needs to be happening in our church body over and over and over again. That they were constantly being willing to be uncomfortable so that others might actually experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing we see this morning. The call is more important than your comfort. The second thing, the past does not have to be the future. Now, we go down here and we read, Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with him one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had gone with them, not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Listen, I, I, I want to just take just a moment and remind us all in this place that it's possible for believers in Jesus Christ to disagree. That the possibility exists that Christians may actually disagree with one another. What we have to make certain that we do is that when we disagree, we do all that we can to disagree agreeably. To remember that we're disagreeing with a brother or a sister in the faith. That this is a family disagreement. And folks, it don't need to be one of those family feud disagreements, right? Where you've walked away and never to speak to one another again. No, no, no. There are times when we may have to look at one another and say, I agree to disagree with you and maybe we're not going to talk about this right now, but I still love you as my brother or sister in Christ. Paul and Barnabas, but look, you've got Paul, the greatest missionary, Barnabas, who is such an incredible encourager that that becomes his nickname and yet somehow or other in this place, they disagreed. Now, I, I, I appreciated what some of the commentaries had to say about this disagreement. 
So that one of the things that we see in this place is probably sort of that age-old, that age-old challenge of whether or not we will prioritize the mission or the person. Right? We prioritize the person or the people. Now we've got Paul saying the mission matters and we've got to get moving. Now we've got Barnabas as the encourager who says, well, the mission does matter, but let's bring, let's bring Mark along. Let's raise him up. Paul says, I don't have time for that mess. He left us high and dry one time before. And there reaches a disagreement. Now, there's some family dynamics here. Barnabas and Mark are cousins. The Bible teaches us that. Okay, And so he's going, let's bring him along. I think it'll be good. And Paul says, look, I've got, I've got work to do. We can't wait around. Folks, I want you to know this. First of all, both of those people are usable in God's kingdom. Those people that are more organizational-minded and those people that are more people-minded. Now, it's, it's wrong to say that Paul didn't care about the people. It's just that Paul was a lot more concerned with the people than he was with the person. Barnabas said, let's bring this person along. And we're going to see that it, in the end, all these things kind of converge. Now, we've got to work diligently to be concerned with the people and the persons, right? We've got to work diligently to be concerned with the organization, with the church body itself, and with individuals. But even in the midst of that, I want you to know that the past does not have to be the future. Paul and Barnabas had reached many people for Jesus, but it was time to get back to work. They, they were, were eager probably to be comfortable, but they couldn't just sit back and say, look at all that we did. They weren't going to be sitting around in a coffee shop for the next 50 years telling stories of all the people they had reached for Jesus. These weren't going to be plugged into their life group 50 years down the road telling about all the trips they went on way back when. They were going to be serious about the business of the gospel today because they weren't banking on grandma to get them saved or to save others. They weren't banking on the experience that somebody else had with the church. They knew that people needed personal experiences with Jesus Christ. Listen, the victories of the past are no guarantee for the future. The victories of the past are no guarantee for the future. Now, this, this, this is corporately for us as a church body. I celebrate. We've baptized five in the last two weeks. We're on pace to maybe baptize 50 people this church year, which is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But folks, I want you to know that if we were to baptize 50 this church year and not baptize anybody next year, we're still failing. The victories of the past don't guarantee victory in the future. Paul and Barnabas understood that. They were going to get busy going back to share the gospel again because they had to keep at it. Listen, personally... There are some of you who were faithful when your kids were young, but your kids reached teenage years. And all of a sudden, this just isn't as much of a priority. I want to warn you right now. I want to warn you. If you're not prioritizing your commitment to the church when your children are in their teenage years, you're banking on the victories from the past to set your children on a path for spiritual victory in the future, but you are failing them. The most transformative years of your children's life are probably going to be somewhere between 10 and 14 years old. Because look, you're setting a path when they're early and they're learning so much. Between 10 and 14, they're learning what you really think and what really matters. And if at 12 years old you stop prioritizing the church, let me just explain this to you. At 16, you're going to be fighting them to get here. And at 18, you'll be wondering why in the world they're not pursuing Christ. 
I'm not mad at you. I just want you to know that having them here in kindergarten is not enough to make sure that they're still walking with Jesus at 18. We've got to prioritize that. But look, it's not just some of you parents, right? You ready for this? Y'all hold on. You're not going to like this. Um, Some of you were really faithful when your kids were at home in your empty nest years. You sat back and said, somebody else can take the load now. In your empty nest years, which, let me just say this. Your empty nest years should be your most productive years for the gospel. Okay? There are two times in your life when you've got the most opportunity to make a significant impact outside of your, lo- your home. Okay? And it's, it's in those years before you're married and have children. So college years or maybe as a young married couple. And then it's empty nest. That's it. Now, take a deep breath. Okay. Okay. Everybody stare straight ahead so you don't have to look at your neighbor. Okay? I just want, I just want everybody that has... No, no, we're not going to raise hands. We're not going to do that. We're not. I'm going to give you a story. I talked with somebody today who said, man, we are so busy. So busy. Had six ball practices this week six let me explain what you don't have when your children move out of the house because see here's the reality some i'm not being ugly i'm just being shoot straight i have family members this way who are trying to convince me that at 65 years old when all the children are out of the house and everything else that they're the busiest of their the busiest time they've ever had in their life don't buy that lie you're only that busy if you've made yourself that busy because you didn't have six baseball practices this week Right? You didn't. And if you did, you're doing something wrong. Y'all, I mean, y'all got to get that together. I'm not hating on you. I just want to remind you that the Lord's given you opportunities in these years. Don't waste them. I'm so grateful for Buster and the ministry as to our senior adults to remind our seniors over and over and over again that just because they might be retired, they're not to be checked out. Right? That we're, we're active in ministry and seeking out ways that we can serve the Lord because the victories of the past or no guarantee for the future. But look, it's not just that. The failures of your past do not have to determine your future. Some of you really need to hear this today. Some of you are on the sidelines because you messed up, because something went wrong, you believe you're damaged goods. Look at this. Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought it best not to take them with him. That's the Craig version. Barnabas said, let's take Mark. Paul said, I am not going anywhere with him. He has let me down once before. I'll not put myself in a spot where he lets me down again. Some of you believe that you have no value in Christ's ministry because you failed somewhere in the past. Some of you really, really relate to John Mark. Some of you have probably even been in a situation where somebody else said, look, you've already failed once and we're not doing that again. Folks, I want you to know that just as we can't live on the past victories, the failures of your past don't have to determine your future. Paul and Barnabas parted ways. Again, the greatest encourager in the early church, the greatest missionary in the early church, people that loved Jesus a whole lot, and yet they went this direction. Who was wrong? Who was right? Who knows? 
If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Okay, you just got to keep going in the New Testament. If you're not familiar with, the, with, with your Bible, it's okay. Just keep turning. If you make it to the book of Hebrews, you went too far. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Actually, let's, let's start reading in verse 9. The Bible says this. Now, this is Paul's last letter, the last letter of Paul that we have, that we know about. And he's writing it to Timothy, one of his young protégés. And he says this, Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with his present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. You had to figure Luke felt really good about that, right? Y'all hurry up because I'm all by myself with Luke. Watch this. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in the ministry. Paul is languishing in a Roman prison, awaiting death. He's going to go on right here and say, my life is being poured out as a drink offering. I'm done. I've reached the end of my road. But in his last moments of life, what Paul says is, please bring Mark. Because Mark's failure didn't have to be a predictor of Mark's future. When Paul looked back at his life, he didn't just see the Mark who had walked away in his first missionary journey. He saw a Mark who was important for him in the last moments of his life. Please listen to me. Your past failures do not have to be predictors of your future. Your past failures can be testimonies and trophies of God's grace we got to keep moving forward. This is in, the past doesn't have to be the future. Now, I want to warn us. As a church, the past doesn't have to be the future. Do you understand that? It doesn't have to be the future in any way. The ugly past, we've been able to prove that over the years, haven't we? Some of you, there's a, how many of y'all, let's raise hands on this one. How many of y'all in here this morning were here when I came as your pastor? Raise your hand. Raise them up high so I can see. Whew. Wow, that's not many of y'all at all. Which is, how many of y'all wish you weren't here? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Man, there's not 30 of y'all in here. We should have counted that. Okay, but, but look, some of y'all that have been here long enough know, like, our church didn't have a, a good track record with pastors. They were leaving all over the place. Two and a half, three years, and they're out the door. Now y'all can't get rid of anybody. We won't go anywhere. We just keep hanging around. We just keep staying. Okay? So, but... But so the ugly past of our church didn't have to be the future, right? Well, guess what? The, the great victories of the past don't have to be the future either. Unless we're willing to continue to move forward. We've got we to be willing to continue. Now, what happened in Paul's life and in Mark's life is that Mark kept moving forward. He didn't allow that past failure to dictate who he was going to be or going to become. He kept moving forward, and we see his name come up over and over again in the New Testament because he's useful to Paul. But watch, Paul also wasn't willing to allow Mark's failures to be Mark's future. Do you understand that Paul, at some point in his ministry, was willing to look up and say, I was wrong about Mark. Do you, do you see that? How many of y'all have ever been willing to look up and say, I was wrong? I was wrong about him. I was wrong about her. I was wrong about that. I was wrong about that place. Past doesn't have to be the future, folks. We got to be willing 
to move past it. And then finally this morning we see that divided ministry is multiplied ministry. This is crazy when we think about it. They went separate ways, but keep going. We read, Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Do you know that even in the midst of their division, the church was still ready and willing to bless both sets of missionaries here? Now, we see that in the middle of this, there was probably sin somewhere. Now, the Bible doesn't give us us enough insight to know all the ins and outs. We just know that there was division. But more likely than not, there was some degree of sin that took place here. But the Lord used even that sin, that division, to multiply the ministry. In the moment, the only thing they could see is, look, we can't agree. But what God was using was that moment, that experience, to double the number of missionaries he was putting on the field in that place. Listen, your way is not the only way, and it may not be the best way. Your way is not the only way, and it may not be the best way. We've got to be ready to understand that as it relates to mission and ministry. To some degree, Paul and Barnabas had to recognize that their way wasn't the only way. Right? And we know that Paul did that because, again, toward the end of his life, Paul's remembering and reflecting upon Mark and asking him to show. When's the last time that somebody that you just absolutely, absolutely couldn't get along with became a friend? Became somebody you'd call in a hard place in life. When's the last time that your way turned out to not be the best way? How many of you husbands have ever had your wife give you directions on how to get somewhere and figured out that it was quicker than you thought? I mean, it hadn't happened to me either, but somebody should have experienced it somewhere along the way. (laughs) Surely one of y'all, right? Your way's not always the best way. My way's not always the best way, is it? But God's vision is far larger than our comfort. God's vision is far larger than our comfort. See, God's way is not always my way. And, and the needs of the gospel is not always that. And so much of where we're headed this morning with this sermon is up to this, this announcement um, that beginning on May 7th, we're actually moving to two worship services here at Malvern Hill. And, and the reason for that is, and part of the reason why the kids are in here with us this morning, because I wanted y'all to stay full the entire time we're here. Right? I want all of our kids to stand up. By kids, not our teenagers, just our kids. Stand up. Wherever you are, hurry up. Man, y'all are slow. All right, some of y'all are too short. Stand in a chair or something so we can see you. All right? And then, and then all of our teenagers stand up. All y'all. Okay. I should have had y'all come up to the front because like, some of y'all really are a little in the back. Okay? All right. So, so this, is, this is where we are. And then we just kicked about 30 of them out of here just a few minutes ago. I wanted that y'all can sit down now. I wanted them to be in here with us this morning because I wanted to remind you all. Now, first of all, we sometimes don't feel super full during a worship service by the time I get around to preaching because all those little ones that I had stand up, they're gone. They're not sitting in the pews beside you. But folks, the reality is that we have, we have outpaced ourselves. This building that I thought was too big, we've just paid off. This building is suddenly not big enough. We're averaging about 385 in worship on a Sunday morning. 
uh, we're actually averaging 286 in life groups. Let me tell you how awesome that is. We were averaging 270 in the month of January. The month of January, we averaged 270. The month of February, we averaged 286. We grew by 16 people in life groups last month. Last month. Last year, we grew by 25% in worship attendance and about the same number in life group attendance. We're on pace to baptize 50 people this church year, and as a result, we've got to create space. So let me, th- let me throw up, I, th- I think we got that slide. I'm looking it up there. It's going to give you just an idea about what the times are going to be. Um, boom! And now. And it's almost there. Tell me if it shows up. All right. Um, but the times are going to be, it's still not there, 8, 8, 8.30 uh, for worship. Life groups will be at 9.45. It's fine. Uh, and, then, and then the second worship service will be at 11 a.m. We're only going to have one life group time. Okay? One life group. It's going to be pushed up 30 minutes or pushed back, however you want to look at it. Some of y'all are like, hey, as long as I get it. Some of y'all are thrilled to death because you can get an extra 30 minutes of sleep. Except for you praise team members who are going to get a lot less sleep. But, um, but why are we doing this? We're doing this because people have to keep giving their seats up for others when they walk into our worship service. We're doing this because there's some of you who are guests here this morning that are sitting there. Look, some of y'all that have been here with us for a while, you're sitting there like, what's the big deal? I like it. It's comfortable. Those those guests that walked in here this morning are like, oh, thank heavens that they're making room because I feel so incredibly uncomfortable having to sit this close to anybody. Right? I mean, I stand out here and look out at y'all and y'all sit like this. (laughs) Folks, God's vision has got to be, well, not only does it have to be, God's vision is far larger than our comfort. How do I know that? Because he gave us a great commission. And the great commission is that we should go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you know what's not comfortable leaving my house? What's not comfortable is getting on a plane and going somewhere else. It wasn't comfortable, Paul, to get in a ship and go somewhere else. It's not comfortable to go and carry the gospel, and yet he's compelled us to do that. And folks, sometimes it's not comfortable For us to say, hey, we need more folks to show up, but we've got to be willing to do that. Why? Because I've been giving these numbers over and over and over again in this service this morning. 70,000 people in this community that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as far as I know, there are three churches in this community that are growing, and we're one of them. What does that mean? That means we have a responsibility to reach as many people as we can. Because the needs of the gospel are far more important than our own comfort. So what do I need from you this morning? Number one, I need you to pray. I need you to pray. Pray for this change in our church. I'd like it if some of y'all would smile a little bit. It got real quiet and awkwardly uncomfortable for me. And nobody laughed. Um, I do. I need you to pray. Right? My kids want you to pray for me because they're afraid I'm going to be tired and angry on Sunday afternoons. Uh, we probably will be. Uh, we need to pray for this change. Our, our praise team, I, I announced it to one of our praise teams this morning. We're going to ask a lot more from them. I need you to pray for them. I need you to pray for the opportunities that are out there. I need you to pray for, for, for all the challenges, right? Guess what? If we begin to pack out two services in a life group, you've got to pray that the Lord multiply our parking spaces, okay? I mean, we've got all kinds of issues. I need you to pray for that. Number two, I need you to invite we're only creating this space. Look, I'm not creating it for y'all. I love y'all, but y'all all fit in here this morning, you understand? We're creating it for the people that don't fit. That's what matters. I need you to invite. We're creating space so that more people can come home to Malvern Hill. And my goal to, is to see at least 50 first-time visitors in each worship service in the month of May. That's a lot, I know, but for goodness sakes, y'all, 
The only reason we're doing this is so we can reach people. I need you to be going and looking at folks and saying, I made room for you. Come sit with me on Sunday morning. There's a good chance the people that you're speaking with need a church home. Go and invite somebody. Go and do that. We're going to create an online um, invitation so that you can send it to somebody. We're going to give you guys some, some uh, printed invitations so that you can hand them out to somebody. And it's going to say, welcome home to Malvern Hill. We made room. That's what we want. Bring them with you. Number three, I want you to be flexible. As we continue to grow, we will have hiccups. We need more volunteers. We had like 20 people volunteer to work in our children's ministry last week. Great job. Thank you so much. I need like 60 more of you. Um, for the record, I had all these kids stand up. We're down in children's ministry, I think, this morning. Does that seem right, Rhonda? It looks like we're a little bit low. Last week, last week we had 91 in the children's building, children and adult volunteers. 91. That's a lot. Okay? But it's not just that there's so many. We're going to have two worship services. There's going to be two identical worship services. Same music in both services. Same children's opportunities in both services, which means I need, guess what? Double the volunteers. Some of you. Some of you have not served in children's ministry because you've wanted to be in worship all these years. I've got a great opportunity for you. You can work one and worship one, and you never have to miss worship when you're serving our children. Some of you are going, man, I've got to come up with another excuse. <laughs> we wrote down that excuse a long time ago. We're going to know. We're going to know. Look, some of you, this is the opportunity you've been looking for. You're like, man, I wish I could work with the kids every week, but I also want to be in worship. Some of you are going to be able to serve more regularly in our children's ministry. I promise you, if there's somebody that's like, man, I would love to be with three-year-olds every Sunday, let us know. There's probably only one of you, and we would love to have you, you know. But I, I, I'm going to need you to be flexible with us because we need more children's volunteers. We're going to need more greeters. right? We talk about kids, but look, it's not just kids. i gotta have, I got to have greeters for an 8.30 service and for an 11 o'clock service we got to help people to feel welcome. we got to make sure we double down on our life groups. Life groups are going to matter more than ever before. Some of you feel like you don't know a whole lot of people anyway. When it's in two services, it's going to feel that way even more. This is where life groups, life groups are the lifeblood of our church. It's the place where you experience the community. We're going to launch another one in about six weeks. So um, we're excited about that and the way that the Lord's working there. But I need you to pray with that and just be flexible with us. If you see something that doesn't seem exactly right, do me a favor. Please, let me just throw this out there. Do not come tell me between services on a Sunday morning. Right? That first week, it's like something didn't go well. Don't come tell me. I love y'all. You can tell somebody. You can write it down in your journal if you just need to get it off your chest. You can send an email that will be sent to me on Monday morning. But please, please, please don't come tell me between services or after any, like after two services. Please, please, for the love of everybody involved, don't do that. Be flexible with us. And fourth this morning, we, we need you to give. We need you to give. If you're a guest with us this morning, I, I don't want to turn you off. So let me just let me explain. Like right here, we, we set a bowl on fire just a few minutes ago. Listen, what, what you don't know is that the Lord provided, and you guys were faithful to step up and pay off. I mean, we raised something like about $160,000 in just a couple of months. What a wonderful thing. It's great. It was more than that. It was about $200,000 that we raised in just a couple of months. You guys were so generous, and you came off the pocket, and you made it happen. And I'm so grateful. Okay? But I, again, some, sometimes it can be like, we paid it off, so no big deal. Listen, there's more people to be reached than we've reached. And it, it's going to cost time. It's going to cost talent. It's going to cost treasure. 
I'm going to need you to give. There's going to come a time where we there's going to come a time where we've got to build something else, right? That's going to happen at some point. But until it does, we still have to meet all the needs that we have. And as look, every time one of these children comes in, do you know what happens? Our per capita giving goes down. They're just leeches. They come in and they suck all the money out of the church and they give us nothing back except for smiles. They give us lots of smiles. We celebrate them, but it costs money. So watch. This is not nice, so hold on to something. Some of y'all love to go out in the communion and celebrate. Man, we have so many children. Man, you should come and see all the kids. All right? Once you've celebrated it, do me this favor. Number one, if you're able, I need you to be serving with them. Number two, if you're able, I need you to be helping us pay for the ministry to those kids and to everybody else. Folks, when you're giving and you're tithing to your local church, you're not doing that just just to make yourself feel better. You're doing that because the mission of the gospel is great. And we've got to continue to reach people. And things like vacation Bible school and mission trips, they they don't happen without a budget. Your staff costs money. Electricity costs money, right? All of those things cost money, and we've got to continue to give. So those are the four things I need you to do. But I want you to be careful. It can be easy for us to go, oh, two services, I don't like it. I'm, I'm talking how our teenagers have already talked to me, like so many of Not you, not you, others. But they've like, oh, two services, that sounds terrible, Pastor Craig. And I'm like, really? If that's your attitude, it will be. This is what we wanted. See, we got to be careful because some of you are going, we have to go to two services. And that's wrong. We get to go to two services. Because the Lord is reaching people here. And because y'all are doing your work. Some of you have disagreed like Paul and Barnabas did and you sort of had to go and do it a different way. For some of you, this is uncomfortable and awkward, and you got to figure out how you're going to do it in a way that you wouldn't have wanted to do it. Some of you are sitting there going, Pastor Craig, you said we weren't going to do this. Look, it's never easy to be wrong. Okay? And, and, and this was not, I fought this for months. Some of you are well aware that my intention, my goal, my desire had been for us to do an overflow service and do it all at the same time. So some of you are going, Well, Craig, why aren't we doing that? Two reasons. Number one, space. So if we create room for 200 more people to sit down, you know what I discovered about three weeks ago? We don't have nursery space for that. I think I shared with you all a while back, but, but in the next, within the next three months, we anticipate having 14 babies in our baby nursery. Hey, good job, whoever that was. Thank you. But watch. Listen, this isn't like us projecting based on some great calculations that one of our accountants did. These are 14 babies who are already here. Some of which just haven't been born yet. Or some of whom are just not in our nursery yet. 14. That's 0 to 18 months. All of a sudden it occurred to me, holy cow, if we create room for 200 more people, we don't have anywhere to put 25 babies. So we got a space issue. The second thing is it's just a cost issue. It's going to cost us fifty dollars to $70,000 to do an overflow service that is a good experience for everybody involved. You know what it's going to cost us to go to two services? Zero. Stewardship-wise, it just makes the most sense for us to save every dollar we can. Because every dollar that we save in that kind of thing is another dollar we can put to mission and ministry in the local church. 
But divided ministry is multiplied ministry. That's what Paul and Barnabas discovered. Oh, by the way, let me just give you this. The Lord's so good to us. I planned this sermon six months ago. We made this decision three weeks ago. Right? I planned this sermon six months ago. I didn't realize that I had this passage of Scripture, this sermon title lined up to preach on this Sunday. But God knew ahead of time. God knew we needed to be reminded that just like Paul and Barnabas thought that when they split up everything it was going to get worse, but instead he multiplied the ministry, he needed us to be reminded. For some of you, like, man, this is going to be a little bit awkward. He needed us to be reminded that a divided ministry is a multiplied ministry because when we make more opportunities, we've got more opportunities to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where does that leave us? Wait a minute, not yet. Where does that leave us? Are you ready to take the next step? Are, are, are you ready to take it with us? Let, let, me, let me just, we're going we're to look at this corporately and then we're going to look at this personally. Okay? Corporately, I, I want to be honest. There's some folks that have heard this today for the first time. And as a matter of fact, it's the vast majority of people have heard this for the first time. There's only about 20 people that already knew. And, and there's some of you that are like, wow, I, I just don't know, Pastor Craig. Like, this is... This has already been hard for me. I joined this church 15 years ago, and I knew everybody, and, and it was home, and I already feel like we're just so big, and, and I just don't know. I, 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 I'm with you. I understand, and, and some of these things are challenging for me. It's hard for me because I don't know all of you super well like I once did. I appreciate what one of our, our brothers said back at Christmas. He said, Craig, I don't feel like I know hardly anybody here. I said, I, I know. And, and he said, I don't like it. And I braced myself for him to go on and explain to me how many things were wrong and broken. And, 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 and then he looked at me and he said, but I like it so much better than the alternative. I'm not reaching, folks. I don't have to like it, but I like it better than the alternative. Let me just say this to you. Some of, some of you right now are going, well, just build another sanctuary, Pastor Craig. We don't have to worry about this, okay? Unless you're ready to write us a check for $6 million. And th those of you that gave like an awkward laugh, I'm not throwing out false numbers. Unless you're willing to write us a check for $6 million. And if you are, come see me after church. We'll break ground next week, okay? But that's the cost. So corporately, I know it's hard. But I'm asking to take the next step with us. I'm going to ask you to take that step. I'm asking you to pray with us. I'm asking you to, to, to invite others. I'm asking you to be flexible. I'm asking you to give because there's, there's at least 35,000 people in this community that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they need a church home. Individually, there's some of you that need to take the next step. Now, for some of you, that next step might actually be step up and plate and tithe. I mean, it really might. For some of you, the next step needs to be that you're inviting somebody to church for the very first time. It might be that, that wife, that, that spouse. could be your mom, your dad, your children. There's somebody that you need to be sharing the gospel with, inviting them to church. That might be your next step. But for some of you, the step you need to take today is the step to get everything right with Jesus Christ. I've talked about the gospel over and over and over again. And some of you are not even sure what that is or how it impacts your life. Some of you need to know today... That your past doesn't have to be your future. 
The past that your grandma was a church member and a Sunday school teacher doesn't guarantee you a spot in heaven, number one. Number two, for some of you, the sins of your past don't guarantee that you can't get to Jesus. Today, he stands ready to receive you no matter where you are. Some of you need to take that step to give your life to Jesus Christ today. Some of you need to take the step to to, to join this church, right? You need to get into our next steps class. You need to figure out what that looks like. Some of you need to take the next step towards, towards a life group. So I ask you this morning, in conclusion, are you ready to do what it takes to reach Kershaw County and her surrounding communities for Christ? Somebody asked me, I don't know, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, when we first commissioned our refocus team, they, they said, well, Pastor Craig, how big do you want us to be as a church? Folks, that's absolutely the wrong question. The right question is this. How can we reach our neighbors with the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can we make an impact in this community with the gospel? I don't know what your next step is. But whatever it is, would you take it today? Don't wait. Nothing's going to change tomorrow that would make next week or next month or next year a better time for you to take that next step. Don't wait. Come today. Take that next step of faith toward Jesus Christ. Take that next step toward Malvern Hill. Take that next step toward reaching this community. With the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word that never fails us. Thank you, God, that you could remind us that we have responsibilities far beyond these walls. Help us, Lord God, to impact the world around us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray that you give some the courage today to take that next step. That next step in prayer. Father God, that next step in faith. That next step in giving. Father God, maybe just that next step in volunteering. Some today, Lord God, need to take the next step toward believing that their past doesn't have to dictate their future. There's a mark out here somewhere this morning, Lord who's failed, but whose failure can be made into a trophy for your grace and goodness. Would you bring them to you today? In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us as we sing. Come as the Lord directs.